0: Good morning. morning. The first lesson today is taken from the 17th chapter of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her." We will read responsively by verse, Psalm 22, verses 22 through 25. Praise the Lord, you that fear him. Stand in awe of him, O offspring of Israel. All you of Jacob's line, give glory.
1: For he does not despise or abhor the poor in their poverty; neither does he hide his face from them. But when they cry
0: to him, he hears them. My praise is of him in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the presence of those who worship him. The second lesson is from the fourth chapter of Romans. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations according to what was said. So numerous shall, be your, shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Here ends the lesson.
2: Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. with the holy angels. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Be seated at this time, the children's sermon. I'll ask you to, oh, good, you're ready to come up. Great. Good, Good morning. Can I get a seat here? Good to see you all. Okay. How was your week? Did you have a good week? Everything went pretty well. Okay. Almighty God, as we gather, may you guide us in our thoughts and prayers as we understand your word and grow in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this lesson today, the Genesis, the first lesson, Abraham and Sarah are living with their large family in Haran. And God comes and calls them, Abraham in particular, and says, I want you to leave the Haran and the large family and take part of your family with you and go to a new land I'll show you so there is a promise given and trust created and then they have to go on this journey to the new land leaving a lot behind and going on the new journey to the land of Canaan it's pretty far away and what God promises is that I will make you a a large family I will give you a homeland, and this one is a may I will be your God and you will be my people which in a sense makes the family even bigger all of God's creation is is Abraham's family so I have a little word search to give you and these are the words that are in it there's also a little answer sheet there on the back if you need it you might you might not but some of the, one of the themes in here is covenant. So a covenant's a relationship where I promise I'll do this and you promise you'll do that. And we have that covenant relationship, a relationship that, that helps us both. Okay? Covenant. Sarah, her name means princess. Abraham, his name is changed and it means father of a multitude, including the Jewish, Islamic, and Christian faiths. Faith is to trust in God. Home. You can tell me what home is, isn't it? Don't you? What would you say home is? Well, home is kind of the safe place you live, right? You're blessed if when you have a home like that. A safe and loving home. And that's what God promises. A promise is something that's going to happen or give, be, be given to you. The cross is that... Jesus was put to death on the cross. It's also a sign of God's love. Disciples are followers of Jesus. Sin is turning away from God. Repenting is turning to God. Those words are in this lesson, and they're also in the word search for the second Sunday in Lent. When you look on the back, the definition well, yeah, the definitions will be there, in a review of what I And there's the little um, sheet that gives you the answers if you can't find them one of the words is upside down so that'll be a real trick for the older ones and the others i think you'll have no trouble finding here's your your little uh, and then you'll have a great time in oops i'm sorry children's church so okay do you want very good and work on that this week let me say a prayer or a blessing Almighty God, bless and guide us in the days of this week with your love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. We can go to Children's Church. All right. Thank you. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words that are spoken and how we listen be guided by the Holy Spirit and true to the Holy Gospel that we may recognize the covenant you have made with us and grow in faith as we carry the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Each summer when I was growing up, we would visit my mother's parents in East Sparta, Ohio, near Canton, Ohio. We would spend at least a week in June with them, and I would gather eggs in the chicken coop I came to understand what an outhouse was which was a new thing to me. I would eat my grandmother's homemade bread and put as much of her fresh strawberry jelly on the bread as I could and when they weren't looking, those adults weren't looking, I would get into the strawberry jelly and eat it right out of the jar. So yeah, I needed to be punished sometimes a lot. Each Sunday with my grandparents, we would worship at their Protestant church that approaches the Bible and worship in a more fundamental, conservative, literal, theological way. By middle school, I was spending a little more time with them, not just a week, but I was actually staying there and working in a Christmas tree farm pruning Christmas trees. And I'd go with them to church on Sunday and Wednesday. As I was getting older, I was paying attention to the sermons. They were what we would call fire and brimstone. The focus was on the wages of sin, the evil of temptation around us, the devil who wanted to pull us from God so that we would burn in hell for all eternity, for all of our sins. I was scared. (laughs) The sermon scared me. I didn't want eternal fire. I didn't want my family and friends to end in eternal punishment. And it bothered me. People were being, in a sense, frightened into faith in Jesus Christ. My grandparents were loving and affirming people. And my prayer life was formed in part by praying with my grandmother, Grandma Johnstone. She often invited me to kneel with her and pray with her for the world and all nations, for all people. Sometimes in specific prayers for people in the world and other nations. And then when it came to friends, neighbors, and family, it was all by name. I mean, the whole family, there were seven of them, uh, seven children. The whole family and grandchildren, they were all prayed for by name. You probably have experienced that. I learned from my grandmother that prayer is specific, that it's all inclusive, and that prayer is deeply felt and never rushed. My knees got tired kneeling with her. For as long as my grandmother lived, which was 106 years, our family and I think the whole world had a sister praying for us all with deep love. My grandmother was more Lutheran than she would ever admit, even though her church was more fundamental, and she lived out and embodied for me and my sister and everyone who knew her grace and love. As a Lutheran pastor, I don't believe that fear forms faith. I don't believe that God in Jesus and the Holy Spirit forms faith in us by frightening us with the threat of death or judgment or eternal punishment for all that we do wrong. Rather as scripture teaches God is love and we are formed to love God and one another. And the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is about love and grace. The love and grace of God embodied and making us right with God as a free gift, free from sin and death, by the death and resurrection of Jesus. The deep faith of Abraham and Sarah was formed, as we read in this lesson, by that loving call from God, in God's generous promises to them, and in God's call for them to trust God and follow God in living into this covenant that God was making. God's promise in Genesis 7, 17 is to transform Abram and Sarai into new persons. Bearers of a divine purpose with a divine blessing like each of you. You have a divine pur- purpose with a divine blessing. Abram becomes Abraham meaning the father of a multitude including the people of the Jewish, Islamic, and Christian faiths. We all share Abraham. That's what makes us one big family. And Sarah means joy, exalted woman, or princess. The response to God's loving call, the response to God's generous promises, and the response to God's loving invitation to trust God and follow was faith the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 Abraham and Sarah's faith is born in the loving promises of God. God is saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. God is saying, I will make you an ancestor of a multitude of nations, but right at that moment they have no children of their own. So this is all about trusting in faith in something not yet seen. And God is saying, I will give you a place to live together, a home. Well, they haven't seen that homeland. It's pretty far away from them when they're in Haran. All of this given by God, Abraham and Sarah receive, not having seen any of the promises yet. And they follow in trust, the giver of these promises. When Paul tells the story of Abraham in Romans, he writes about Abraham's trust in the promise of God that were beyond expectation and without evidence. I've just said that. That is faith. It's not logical. It's to trust in a promise of descendants and a home that we've not yet seen or experienced. And we have faith that a home is prepared for us beyond the doorway of death in the kingdom of God. And we've not been there yet. And no one has come back and told us about it. We haven't had, perhaps we have had, interactions with loved ones because the cloud of witnesses is not far away. But it's still mostly unknown to us. Paul claims that it was Abraham's great faith that allowed him to hope against hope and to trust God. In spite of the fact that Abraham and Sarah were hunched over with age, beyond the age of having children, they trusted. And God was to show God's self to be the one who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not even exist. Like Abraham and Sarah, Peter's faith is challenged in Mark 8. Peter is a man of great faith, and Peter is a man of stumbling faith, like many of us, both great faith and sometimes we stumble. Peter has just affirmed in the verses before today's lessons that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, you are the Savior. And for Peter, Messiah and Savior means Jesus will restore the glory of the kingdom of David. As Messiah and Savior Peter believes, Jesus will kick the Romans out of our nation. And in today's lesson, what a shock for him and for us. He teaches the disciples what Jesus as Messiah really is. It is suffering, it is rejection, and it is death. It's not the power of the sword. It's actually a humble and humiliating death. Peter says no and rebukes Jesus. In turn Jesus rebukes Peter saying get behind me Satan. Jesus saying get behind me Satan for you're setting your mind not on divine things but human things. Divine things means losing our life in service to others in the name of Christ which is to gain life, experience true and abundant life. Human things means living your life, our life, by choosing personal safety, comfort, possessions, and wealth. Human things are like me first, us first, a nation first, which in the eyes of Jesus, our Lord, is to lose life. Peter, in yielding to fear, because he doesn't want Jesus to suffer and he doesn't like Roman rule, becomes like the adversary, Satan, trying to call Jesus from his path of the cross onto that wonderful path of glory. Jesus says, no. This faith is not about glory. It is about the cross. And he says, don't oppose me. Get behind me. Be a disciple. There are many tempting voices that try to pull us off the path of doing God's will, of loving kindness, of doing justice, and walking humbly with God, and carrying the cross. Voices that say, don't believe, rather have doubt. Voices that say, be angry, or afraid, or be greedy, or get power, get glory. Judge them because they are different. Voices that say, hold on to hate. Voices that say, hold on to the life-denying belief that we belong, but others don't belong. Listening to those kinds of voices might think, might make us think. A lot of people live that way. It might make you think, well, this is how we save our life, by surrounding ourselves with walls and barriers. That's how we save our life. Jesus says, if you heard it, this is the exact path to lose your life. He makes it profoundly clear. And those life-killing voices are powerful now. But they don't save your life. Following Christ and losing life is service, mercy, love, care, justice, affirming and welcoming all people. That is true and abundant life now. That is truly saving life. I can still remember the taste of my grandmother's strawberry jelly and homemade bread. More important than her jelly and bread was her Abraham-like faith was her willingness to take up the cross and follow, and her commitment to speaking and listening to God in prayer, which all helped to form my faith in Christ's call to save life in the only way, by losing our lives in sacrificial love, care, and service for each other and all people. Amen. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with each of you. Amen.